It is the 200 level episode 196, Reasons to be Cheerful. Yes, we're, we're turning the page. I was thinking about calling it that, but didn't want to get a cease and desist from Bob Seeger's people. Reasons apply to the last week, which was tough. We sit here on a Monday waiting for the Elite Eight. One team in the Big Ten is still alive. Of course, it's Michigan. Why wouldn't it be? That's not aggravating at all. And Illinois is not. And unfortunately, they are the only team in the top six of the Ken Palm to not be in the Elite Eight. Let's get the negatives out of the way. I'm going to do that right now so we can get to the purpose of this podcast, which is to contextualize the season. And I got a lot of help from you listeners on Twitter. We got so many different responses. I'm going to go through all of them. How would you describe this season? How would you sum it up? We'll get to that. I will give you the silver linings or the reasons to be cheerful and optimistic going forward, of which there are many, of which there are many. And that's the thing. We can hold these two truths at the same time, that it was overall a very good season. I mean, a very good season. If I really just focus on the memories from it, I'm a happy guy. It's hard not to be because there were so many different moments that we got during this year of all years, during this pandemic, getting Io for a bonus year, getting Kofi maybe for a bonus year. Who knows if he comes back if Io doesn't. And getting one of the better Illini teams in my lifetime. And that holds true. Even with that disappointment in the second round, this is still one of the better Illini basketball teams I've seen. So we hold that in one hand, and then we hold the disappointment in the other. So let's get that out of the way right now. I'm going to just get it out of the way. Saturday was tough. It wasn't a tough day. It wasn't a bad day. It was a great day. It was beautiful outside, and, and Kara and I did so much work around the house, and I was doing yard work, and it was nice to just get out in the 70-degree weather. I even got a bit of a sunburn. How nice is that in late March? So it was a great day overall, and I was keeping tabs on the Loyola game from afar on my score app. I didn't watch a lick of it, not one second of that Loyola-Oregon State game. But then you see that Loyola is, in fact, quite beatable. And from what I understand, they missed a lot of open threes. I'm sure that was part of it. But Oregon State adjusted. They played some zone. And they made Loyola look like an eight seed. Now, even if Loyola played their worst game, right? Let's just go with that assumption that really they are still about a four or five seed. And they happen to play their worst game against an Oregon State team that's playing their best ball at the right time. Okay, I I can go with that a little bit. I can go with that. But it's the fact that Oregon State made those adjustments in the first place that really made the Illinois loss from eight days ago all the more frustrating. Now, we covered that last week. I'm not going to belabor the point. But of course, as we sit here on the first day of the Elite Eight, it is more than a little disappointing that you had that path, a wide open path. And it should have been you playing Oregon State on Saturday. And it should be you playing Kelvin Sampson in Houston tonight. It is not. It is disappointing. It's, there, there's an emptiness and a void in not getting to that point, not even getting to the second weekend. And what it deprived us of, more than just the two hours of game action, which is what we look forward to the most. To me, this time of year, the most exciting part is when you advance and then you just get to sit in it for a week. You get to sit there with that anticipation building up and that excitement for seven full days until the next game. That's what would have happened or I guess in this case, six days, where we would have been saying, okay, Oregon State 12 seed. Oh my God, if we just beat them, we're playing either Houston or Syracuse to go to the final four. I like our odds. And I would have. I think we all would have. I think we also recognize that this team, they played their one stinker of the tournament 
against Loyola as Loyola played their best game. I got to give Trevor a lot of credit for this. As we were texting yesterday, me, him, and Isaac, and we kind of were on and off throughout the weekend trying to stay sane as the Sweet 16 progresses and we see these teams having so much fun and we don't get to have that fun as an Illini fan base. But Trevor really boiled it down to that simple fact that you played awful, Loyola played great, and it just happened. And you could say that's overly simplistic, but I think there's a lot of truth to it. And if we go with that approach, it boils it down to sports at its essence. Any given Sunday is what you would say for football, right? For NFL football. Well, in this case, any given day in college basketball, if you lay a stinker and the other team doesn't, you can lose. And you can lose not just by a little bit, but by a lot. Unfortunately, it happened against Loyola Chicago with all the Chicago connections and sister freaking Jean. Sorry, I shouldn't even say that. Seems like a nice lady, but I'm, I'm happy that that story is at least done for the rest of this, this month. But it happened. And we have a choice, right? We have a choice to wallow in it. And I did that on Saturday. I had a couple people say, you're insufferable on Twitter. Maybe I was. Maybe it is insufferable to wallow in this sort of, I can't believe we aren't in the Elite Eight or we aren't in the Sweet 16. But it was fresh and it was raw. And it was something that I didn't think I would be feeling on March 27th, but I was. And think think of the alternate history here, right? If you beat Loyola, On a 70-degree, sunshine-filled March Saturday, you get to watch Illinois, presumably, beat Oregon State to go to the Elite Eight. Oh, my God. This is why sports can be the best and the worst thing. And actually, it's both, right? When your team loses, it genuinely can affect your mood. And I know it did mine for an entire week. It was a fine week. I've had worse weeks than that. If this is as bad as it gets, and it could be, guys, here's the good news, right? And this could be as low as it feels as an Illini fan to have all these expectations and then the rug pulled out from under you in that manner. And yet, you survived last week, right? I survived it. There were moments of frustration, but ultimately you just move on and do other things other than watch basketball, of which I watched very little this weekend. So that's some silver lining right there, right? Reasons to be cheerful. We have dealt with worse, and uh, last week was towards the top of that list, right? And we, we made it out okay. But yeah, I, I really regret not being able to give you some podcast in preparation for a Sweet 16 Elite Eight weekend. I know how much fun it would have been. I know how much fun the rest of the season was. And I think that was part of it is going through this journey. And there's a few of your guys' responses to this year that mentioned that word, journey. And we'll get to that. That it was so much fun that to have it just end, that's part of the disappointment too. Doing the pods with Isaac and Trevor, so much fun. Doing the solo pods and talking about this team, so much fun. And then poof, it's over. So let's contextualize it with your help. Let's add some silver linings to it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This team still could have won a damn national title or more to the point, and maybe more accurately, they could have made a final four. And that would have been more than enough for me. Big 10 tournament champs, effectively big 10 regular season champs, and and. Final four run? Are you kidding me? That would be an all-time Illini team. No doubt about it. One of the best. But unfortunately, that early exit, it does change the way that we're going to view this team forever. But we will focus on the positives today. We will get your input. And then we'll look ahead to what needs to happen for this season to truly be a success. And when I say that, you might be thinking, Carp, it already was. They're going to raise a banner. They brought relevancy back to Illinois. 
What I mean by that is success in a long-term sense. Will we look back on this year as the building block? And if we do, what happened is going to be a-okay. If this were a building block year, we're going to be just fine. Before we get too far into it, a reminder, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So go to dpdoe.com, use coupon code MIKE, $5 calzones, $6 premium and construction zones, and they will deliver it anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That's a pretty good deal. dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby, online at fourthandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order. I got my Corey Bradford t-shirt. Love it. And the great thing is, listen, we might be disappointed with the way this season ended. That Corey t-shirt is evergreen, man. I can wear that any day of the week, and it doesn't necessarily remind me of losing to Loyola. And Fourth and Kirby has so many cool products that go beyond just this Illini basketball team, though you can commemorate it with a few t-shirts specific to this team as well. So go to fourthandkirby.com, use coupon code 200 level at fourthandkirby.com. Rector Construction online at R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com. For everything from a new roof to a crawl space inspection and everything in between, rectorconstruction.com, excuse me, coffee hiccups right there. Uh, these guys are not only great at what they do, but they are great citizens of Champaign-Urbana. They've been giving back to their community from the moment that they got started. So rectorconstruction.com, happy to have them as part of the podcast. And hey, also, Isaac Ambrose's TV debut on Rector Construction ads. You might see it during some of the games this weekend. Finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen. Online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian and his staff, they'll hook you up with great State Farm prices and personalized service that makes the entire process so easy. Kara and I know firsthand, Brian made our homeowners and auto bundle as easy of a process as it could be. Brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network, partners with the 200 level. Got to thank you, the listeners. I know last week it was far different from the weeks that came before it. We had the Sunday pod during the Illinois Loyola game. And that seems like a month ago, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, wow. Eight days ago that happened. And then we had one midweek podcast as I tried to let everything settle and simmer. And I know the reaction to that was one or the other. It was, yeah, carp right on, or it was, oh, come on, man, that's depressing. And I know Champagne Poppy, and I appreciate you listening, but you called it a dud. And I, I responded to you on Twitter and said, hey, the intent was there. Like I, I knew what I was saying last Wednesday. And of course there was emotion. I thought I would maybe be more detached from it emotionally by the time I recorded that podcast last Wednesday. I think appropriately titled From the Ritz to the Rubble, the, from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. And when I criticized the team and I, when I criticized Brad Underwood, I meant to do that. You know, I mean, th that was purposeful. And even when I'm winging it, in these solo pods, I still know what I want to convey. And that was one of those cases. I think what happened in Champagne Poppy, I think you would agree with me on this and most people as well. I think it's a simple case that when negative things happen and when we don't have positive things to talk about, there will always be a little element of, I don't want to hear that. Like for example, me, Trevor and Isaac are texting each other during this NCAA tournament. And in the last week, if either one of them would have sent me repeated text about, you know, Brad Underwood didn't make enough adjustments and that Io played his worst game as an Illini, at a certain point, you don't want to hear it anymore. We don't need that negativity shoved down our throats. That's why I only did one podcast last week. Because, <laughs> you know, what would have been the point of repeating myself and, and beating a dead horse? We got that pot out there. 
I hope it was cathartic for some, but I think sometimes it's just a simple case of don't shoot the messenger. When there are negative things to be talked about, naturally, whether it be Twitter or a podcast or whatever medium it's being delivered through, you're going to think, I don't need to hear that right now. And I get it. Because if I look at how I consumed Illini Media last week, it was few and far between. Had to do a midweek podcast, had to get my thoughts out there while it was still somewhat fresh, but I did not really go visiting other pods or other media outlets that I normally would because I didn't want to relive that. I did not want to relive what happened against Loyola. And that's unfortunately something we did this weekend as the NCAA tournament games got started. I don't know about you. I still didn't watch much of it. I didn't watch a whole lot of it. And now that we are further removed and Loyola's out of it, um, other than Michigan, I'm not going to watch Michigan make the Final Four, which they presumably will. But USC, Oregon, that's on Sunday night. I am so detached from Pac-12 basketball that it, it, didn't, it didn't hurt me to my core to watch that. Same with Gonzaga. That's far enough away. And by the way, how good are they? You know, I could say that Illinois could have won a national title, and that would have been true. But if you play Gonzaga 10 times, how many times are you beating them? Two? Three? I mean, they are good. They are really, really good. And I, I just don't see them losing. Unless maybe to Baylor. And guess what? Baylor's back. And that's who you would have played, presumably, if you get out of the bracket. So I'm not trying to do the, what would it be? The bargaining phase, right? Of grief. The five stages of grief. I'm not attempting to do bargaining here and saying, hey, guys, you wouldn't have won it all anyways. I still think you would have had a chance. But I think more accurately, you would have probably made the final four had you just beaten Loyola. Now, all that said, we got so many responses to a question that I asked all of you on Twitter on Sunday. I woke up Sunday morning, and after the frustration of Saturday, realizing that Loyola was not, in fact, a world beater, I felt, I don't know, like some catharsis had happened. Like there was a, a weight off my shoulder, and now we can really properly contextualize this season. And I asked you, how would you guys sum up the season? I got a lot of these to go through. So let's just start. This is from Terry. An all-time Illini team with two All-Americans, but left me wanting so much more. Season ended two weekends too early. And you see, isn't that it at its core, Terry? I appreciate the brevity of that. The two competing truths. An all-time team ended way too soon. It left you wanting, right? And that's okay. Uh, I know we got a Game of Thrones thing coming here from Jared, and I like this. I mentioned this in the podcast with Jeremy last week. Jared says, it's like Game of Thrones, terrible ending, but ultimately doesn't ruin the joy of getting there. I'll always have my Big Ten champs hat and shirt to reflect. Jared, I got the Big Ten Conference Champion shirt from Fourth and Kirby. And even with the asterisk thing, and even though Michigan made it further than you did, hey, listen, there's still truth to it. You know, this was the best team in the Big Ten over the course of those 23 games. So credit to them for that. And Jared mentions the Game of Thrones comp. Now, for those that are not familiar with Game of Thrones, eight seasons, seven of which were just fantastic television, and then the much-anticipated final season, by most accounts, was a dud. Not many people were happy with it. I certainly wasn't. But here's the thing, to Jared's point, the journey of Game of Thrones. We started Game of Thrones again, Jared, and I did not anticipate going back to that series and I'm happy we are. I love it. So I think that we will be able to revisit this season when, I don't know. It took me a couple of years to go back to Game of Thrones, but eventually we will be able to revisit it with less angst about how it ended. And that is so contingent on what happens going forward, which I know some of you hit on. 
Zach says, a really special team I'll remember for getting this program relevant again and making me proud to wear Illini gear in public. I mean, I would anyway. Also, a team that disappointed me more than any other Illini team has. Both can be true, and I'm learning to be okay with that. Zach, that's terrific. And you mentioned wearing Illini gear in public. Finally, I had swag, it felt like, when I wore my Kofi stitched jersey to school. I had kids saying, oh, that's great, great jersey, Mr. Carpenter. I wanted to pop it like D. Brown. I felt like a kid again wearing Illini stuff. It has been a long time, and I think we can be grateful to this team for bringing that cool swagger back to Illini basketball. That is what I remember from the early 2000s. I remember distinctly, Zach, in 2005, so December of 2005, after the Final Four run, Dean James were seniors, and we went to the Bragging Rights game, my first Bragging Rights game. Smoked them, one by 30. I think Jamar Smith had a big game for Illinois as a freshman. And walking around Union Station, when that was still a thing, and wearing my Stitch D. Brown jersey and feeling like, God, it is so cool to be an Illini fan right now. And I, I, I get that sense from your tweet there that, of course, we wore Illini stuff in public. I did in the last decade, but it hasn't felt this good in a long time. And there's something to be said about that. I think part of fandom is being able to rock the apparel and feel good about it you know, and, and puff your chest out a bit. And we were able to do that this year, and it's been a long time. So for that, I am thankful for this team. Excellent. Uh, this is from Sean. Probably an overrated team in an overrated conference. If that team played in the 80s, it would have been a mediocre team with the five seed, and no one would have been really shocked to see them lose round two. I don't really ever think about that 87 team that lost as a three seed in round one. And Sean, here is where I think you have a point. I think you have a point for all of it. I mean, it may be true that the Big Ten was just overrated. Can we really say that eight teams losing in the first two rounds is an aberration and just simply a bad tournament performance? Or was it overrated? I think it's probably a little bit of both, right? But you mentioned that the 87 team, you don't think about all that much. It was before my time, three seed that lost to a 14 seed in round one, Austin P. And you don't think about it much. I think for this team, we will think about it fondly if in the next couple of years they make a run. And listen, if Kofi comes back next year with Corbello and Miller, and then you fill in the rest of the transfer portal, and God knows there are many options out there for that, then you know what? We're going to look back on this and remember them more fondly, I think, than 87. Keep in mind with 87, Sean, that that was sandwiched in between the 84 run to the Elite Eight and the 89 run to the Final Four. So you had two all-time seasons with 87 sandwiched in the middle, and naturally that's going to get glossed over. 87 wasn't necessarily the building block to 89. Lou Henson had been building that for over a decade. Whereas this team could potentially be a building block for the next couple of years. And hopefully uh, is the beginning of the full resurgence of Illini basketball. So that is what remains to be seen. This is from Kyler. One of the best and most memorable seasons in my lifetime, but without more success, they don't get lifted into that legacy stage. I'll remember them, but the casual college basketball fan will not remember this team five years from now. In the end, though, I got to see this team win a Big Ten tourney title in person, and for the first time in my life, that's something I'll always get to hold on to. Uh, Kyler, appreciate that. And you mentioned the legacy stage, and I know later on there's a tweet that mentions the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Very Good. This team's in the Hall of Very Good. They will get to raise a banner. And we will remember them, but not to the same degree as 05 or 89, or even for that matter, as someone mentions later, 01. 
You know, that team didn't make a Final Four, but they won a regular season title. They made an Elite Eight, lost to a loaded Arizona team in one of the most excruciating March games you've ever seen. But that kind of disappointment in March doesn't feel as empty, per se, as what we saw against Loyola. So I think, Kyler, you captured both of those emotions pretty well. This is from Joe. Joe from Urbana High School. Good to see you, Joe. Despite their dominance down the stretch, I never really felt that Darren uh, D. inspired confidence this season as a fan uh, for some reason. But I'll probably remember them as a really fun team that was a bright spot during bad times and hopefully got us back on the map. Joe, you used the term hopefully got us back on the map. That is what remains to be seen. You mentioned the confidence that D. and Darren inspired in you as a fan. And I would agree, thinking back to the 03 through 05 run. And actually, you can go back to 02 when they were freshmen and Brian Cook was a senior. And even through D's senior year, when they lost to Washington in the NCAA tournament, I was shocked. Keep in mind, that was Brandon Roy and I forget, the Spencer something rather, the big guy for Washington. It was a good Washington team. And I remember when they lost that game thinking like, well, that's not how it's supposed to end. Like D doesn't lose very much at all. And he doesn't lose in March. And uh, that's just how it goes, right? But Dean and Darren gave us that confidence. You're right. Uh, that is the difference between then and this year, even though I will say the run that this team had in the last two and a half weeks had me more confident than I've been in a single Illini team ever. And I know that sounds ludicrous when I lived through 0405, but the last two and a half weeks perhaps gave me a false sense of security that, oh, they're going to get it done like they're a team of destiny or something. I don't even believe in team of destiny, but it just seemed like this was too storybook. And you're right. Uh, they didn't deserve the confidence that you or I or most Illini fans had during the Darren and D era. This is from Parisi's Drive-In Sauce Sandwich. I dig the name. A great team that had a bad day at the worst possible time. Not just great on the court, but incredibly likable. Gave us a special season in a year that we desperately needed one. I love the points that you make here, Parisi. Is this sort of like Patsy Parisi from The Sopranos? Uh, great team that had a bad day at the worst possible time. Trevor would agree with that, and I'm starting to agree with that assessment too. It sucks that it happened against Loyola Chicago in the second round, but it might just be as simple as great team, bad day, worst possible time. But you raise another point. Not just great on the court, but incredibly likable. And you know what? Other than the moments where they made you want to pull out your hair, yeah, they were likable. Let's start with Io, the career that he had. And I mean, listen, the, ooh, oh boy, the sour taste of that last game. I'm still kind of getting over that, but there are a few more likable guys in the history of Illini basketball than Io. There just are. Uh, he is someone that really brought us back in, in more ways than one. And more than that, for a kid his age, wise beyond his years, just a great representative of the university as a whole. Someone you can be proud of to wear that 11 jersey and say, well, this is an Io Desumu jersey. Likeable. Kofi? Absolutely. Kofi's immensely likable. And it's crazy. If you think about the first month of the season, he was good. But man, oh man, the last three months, he was phenomenal. Andre Curbelo, incredibly likable. Adam Miller, down the stretch, incredibly likable because he's got this very stoic polish to him. You know, he... he reeks of he's going to make that big jump his sophomore year. And he's cool. He's a cool kid, man. Ace Wolf. He's already branding himself. And it's cool. I mean, he, he wears it well. Other likable guys on this team, DeMonte, of course, Trent. I mean, they were a likable team. Georgie, of course, likable. 
So you're right. They were a likable team. The, the ending chapter, the final bit, was so painful that it's easy to lose sight of the fact that for a good chunk of this year, we loved this team, right? Even with those frustrations. All right, uh, this is from Brian. A fun year, but unfortunately, it's quite possible we just wasted the best opportunity to win the title that we'll have over the rest of our lifetimes. One seed, second in the polls, two All-Americans. Getting all of that to align again is tough. Brian, I will not disagree with that. Wasted opportunity. It is. It is totally a wasted opportunity, and that will always be with this team, and I hate it because... Right now on the sun-soaked March day when it's going to get 70 degrees out and ah, the world's good and it's fun to read all these, and there's some truth to it. Now, I will say, in counter to that, Brian, I said after the 0405 team that Illinois, if they win a national title, whoever wins it won't necessarily be as good as that 0405 team, right? It will be a lightning in a bottle kind of thing. It might be the four-seed Illini that finally make that deep run. And I know this tournament is weirder than most, right? I'm not going to use this tournament as an example of how they're going to look going forward. I don't think that's the case. But college basketball, more than ever before, has a crazy amount of parity. We're starting to see Blue Blood struggle. We're seeing Gonzaga and Baylor as the 1A and the 1B out there right now. We're seeing Michigan within a couple of years of Juwan Howard getting there, likely making a Final Four and being a national championship threat. There is a window of opportunity, not just based on the roster, but based on the college basketball landscape. You can get it done. Timing and luck will always be part of it. Um, I think we'll get other opportunities in our lifetime, but I can't dismiss the notion that these opportunities are few and far between. They just don't present themselves very much. And I talk about wearing it as a fan for the rest of my life. You know those guys when they went to the oven the last month or so of the season, they felt like they were going to do this. They had to have. After that Michigan game, I remember thinking, today as they walk to the oven, they're going to be thinking, oh my God, we can win a national title. Like We, we are going to do this thing. So imagine that feeling, that emptiness that they have. I mean, we feel bad, but it's tenfold for them. This is from Mike. As a team that gave us a window into what it means to grow and fight and become uh, more than the sum of our parts, uh, let me let me start that again, Mike. Sorry. As a team, uh, I'm going to remember them as a team that gave us a window into what it means to grow and fight and become more than the sum of its parts. While the end was disappointing, each Big Ten win was amazing in its own right. Uh, I think that's fair, Mike. This this team grew big time. Think about mid-January before that Iowa win. The two-loss streak against Maryland and Ohio State at home where we all wondered what the hell is going on. What is this thing? Are they even that good? Are they as good we honestly thought this. Are they as good as last year? Well, they came together. They fought, and they did grow. And you're right. Uh, the disappointing uh, end, that's there. But that was a lot of Big Ten wins. What was it? 19-4 and four when you include the Big Ten tournament. That's remarkable. Even if the Big Ten was overrated, that's still pretty damn good. And uh, one reason to be cheerful is that you've seen Brad Underwood each and every year get better in conference. And hey, if you win conference titles and you continue to make NCAA tournaments, you'll make a run. You just got to keep putting yourself there. All right, this is from Randy. A year that brought the Illini back to the big dance, had a nice run the last month of the season. Thankful for the guys who made it happen. A good team, but falls short of the 89 and 05 and several teams who had deep runs. Again, I, I'm reading these and Randy's included and seeing more truth um, 
but complicated truths, as Team Vulture replies. It's complicated. If the program takes off from here, this team will be seen as the start of it and will ultimately be remembered fondly. If it slips back into the abyss, that's my sideshow Bob stepping on a rake sound. It will be seen as gigantic missed opportunity and, dare I say it, choke. Team Vulture, I got in a little bit of hot water by using the term choke on Saturday, saying that the team choked against Loyola. I know that is strong language for sports. I don't regret using it. I, I, I say choke in that you were a one seed and that you had a clear path to the Final Four and you just had to make a quick adjustment here or there or something, and you didn't. It was a choke job beginning, I think, with the coaching against Loyola. And you got to mention the players, too. I mean, veterans that didn't show up, did not produce in the biggest game of your lives. You know, so if we're talking about sports and choking, that that is the definition of it. Strong language. Um, I have maybe strayed away from it the last 24 hours or so because Eventually, what's the point? I could harp on that forever and ever. Not going to be healthy for me, and it's not going to add to the conversation. But I don't dismiss the term choke when it comes to what we saw against Loyola. And it's okay to hold, it's okay to hold some animosity about that loss. It's okay. And I'm glad that you brought up how complicated this is, Team Vulture. I would agree with that. This is from Pete. Uh, I'll definitely remember the early tournament exit, which stinks, but even more... I'll remember them for their incredible run through the Big Ten tourney and for announcing the return of Illini basketball in style with a one seed. You know, that Big Ten tournament, let's talk about that for a second. For me, that's always going to be a memory. Uh, I was in Chicago, went up there that Tuesday of that week, and my mom got her new liver. And being there that Wednesday and Thursday, being able to visit her, hang out with her, and then finally Friday, Big Ten tournament starts, as she's starting to feel better, she's sitting up, she's watching the games on TV. Watching the first half of the Illinois-Iowa game in the Big Ten tournament with her in the hospital. By the way, that Iowa game in the Big Ten tournament was awesome. In a year that was full of great wins, that's up there. That was two hours of just electrifying basketball. And I know, again, the ending kind of cast a a shadow or a cloud on the season. But if you think to these individual moments and how much fun you had in those two-hour stretches, that Iowa game in the Big Ten tournament was up there. And then the Ohio State game, I, I had felt probably, you know, I got home that Sunday, about an hour before the game started. I thought we were just going to take care of business. But boy, oh boy, was that a tough game. And it took everything that you had. And I think mentally and emotionally, I was exhausted from the week before. And the moment that it became clear that Illinois was going to win the Big Ten tournament. Those are special moments. You know, the way it ended, of course, stinks, but it does not take away from the true joy that we felt that weekend. And it was. That was a team that was on a mission, and they got that job taken care of. So kudos to them for that. That was a fun weekend, Pete, and I'm glad you brought it up. Glad you brought it up. This is from Evan. It was a team full of players with great personalities. They were filled with lots of fun highlights that seem to make Sports Center top 10 every night, too. It's the first team ever that I've seen my mom watch because of guys like Kofi, Io, Curbelo were just fun to watch for. It didn't end the way we wanted, and I wish Underwood had made some adjustments. Illinois had a bad day, but also blew their chance, too. This team was certainly capable of being a Final Four team, but just didn't get it done. It was a fun three-month ride, though. Evan, again, capturing those contradicting truths. Well done. This is from Matthew. 
2021 is the extra year Io gave us because of the pandemic and a weird NBA. He was absolutely as advertised and took Illinois to a mountaintop we've not seen in way too long. That being said, Io cannot do everything by himself. Uh, that continues. Matthew, I don't know if I see the rest of that. I don't think it actually had the rest of that there. You mentioned couldn't do everything by himself. I, I would counter that by saying he was one of the worst players on the court in that final game. And really the last few games of the year, if you go to the, let's see, Ohio State game, Big Ten tournament, and then you go to the Loyola game, he was not himself. And I don't know how much a lingering concussion may have had something to do with it. They're tricky. It's just difficult to get a read on that. And maybe it impacted him more than even he would let on. But he was bad. He was so bad in that Loyola game. And I think he'd be the first to admit it. He's not going to dwell on it, nor can he. He's got an NBA career to think about. And uh, I don't think it takes away his accomplishments and what he did for Illinois basketball. I think it just reframes it. And where the Eddie Johnson comp came from, Jeremy, and I'm glad he brought it up, I think it's appropriate. I think the Eddie Johnson comp, Eddie Johnson played 20 years in the NBA. He's an all-time Illini. Iowa's an all-time Illini, and I hope he plays 20 years in the NBA. But because of that lack of March success, and I know he only got one shot at it, and because of how bad he was in that last game, that affects his legacy. You know, that, that's the way that sports go, fair or not. And I think ultimately, though, um, I, ugh, I hate that the team didn't make a deeper run. That's at the top of the regret list, if you want to call it that. But I really hate pit in the stomach, sour taste. I hate that that's how Io is going to go out. Because by all accounts, a great kid did everything right, didn't have to come back and did. So we were treated to an extra year with him. But that will just inextricably be linked with his Illini career. It will be. And unfortunately, you know, if you think about how he's remembered from outside fan bases, there was an earlier tweet, and I forget the name, but an earlier tweet said, in five years from now, people aren't going to necessarily remember this Illinois team. Like national fans or even Big Ten fans aren't going to point this point to this team like they did the 05 Illini or even the early 2000s Illini necessarily. And that includes Io. You know, I think his NBA career will be something that will keep him top of mind far more than how his Illinois career ended. This is from Brian. I'll remember them as the team that restored hope for Illinois basketball. I actually looked forward to the games <clears throat> with confidence and enjoyed um, the way they played. We actually had multiple dunks every game. That is true, Brian. I remember the John Gross era. Where are the dunks? Me and Steve Breitweiser asked each other. Well, we had plenty this year. And they played good D without hacking people. They set the new standard. I hope so, Brian. I hope that is the new standard. This is from Garrett. Uh, as others have pointed out, as time passes and memories of individual moments like the Indiana OT game, for example, fade, the season will largely be framed by either the successes or shortcomings that follow. The staff's rapid ascension of this program provides hope for the former. Garrett, that is true. If you measure year to year, not just improvement, but rapid improvement, exponential improvement, I think there is reasons to be optimistic and cheerful, as the title of this episode suggest of the future. But yeah, I agree. This season will largely be framed by, as you said, either the successes or shortcomings of the, uh, the follow. And to that point, Garrett, that adds some pressure on Underwood. I mentioned this in the last podcast. Let's say they get a four seed. Now. Let's say Kofi comes back. Let's go with the best case scenario. 
Kofi comes back, top 10 team throughout most of next year, which I think you would be with the backcourt that you have, and I presume additions in the transfer portal, you'd be pretty damn good. And if you lose in the first or second round, all of a sudden now Brad Underwood's going to be wearing this, uh uh-oh, can he win in March thing. That is something that, boy, you know, we've we've lived through it. Lou Henson, for example, I don't remember 89. I remember the 90s, and it felt like we were never going to win more than maybe a game in the tournament. And that, that feeling sucks. You know, like, you're relevant in that you're in the top half of the Big Ten, and that's check number one, right? I think Illinois will be in the top half of the Big Ten for the foreseeable future. I think Underwood's floor is in that realm. That's where his floor is. But you also don't want to get back into that win a game, lose a game. You want to make some second weekends, and there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to. So, Garrett, I'm with you on that. This is from Kurt. They really brought back my interest in not just Illini basketball, but college basketball to an all-time high. I'm considering being a a season ticket holder now, but the loss to Loyola will stick with me more than winning the Big Ten tournament. Kurt, I think tickets are still going to be, yeah, they're going to be a hot commodity. You get out of the pandemic, people want to spend money, go to things, and we should have a decent team next year. And if you get Kofi, good luck getting tickets next year because that is going to be... um, that, that would be huge, right? That, that takes you from NCAA tournament team to, well, let's just go make the final four this year. I think he'd be good enough to do that. This is from Blockhead. He has a bullet point here. Bullet point one, Illinois is back. Number two, legit stars in Iowa and Kofi. Number three, insane end of the season and conference tourney run. And number four, worst tournament loss in program history. I've seen that bandied about, Blockhead. And is it the worst tournament loss in Illinois history? <sighs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Call it reasons to be cheerful, and I say, yes, it's the worst tournament loss in Illinois history. And I know there's a few different ways that we can view worst. You would say Austin P is the most shocking loss because of how bad they were and how good you were back in 87. But it was the way in which you lost to Loyola in the biggest game of the year with so much on the line. And then the way that your path opened up after that with Oregon State beating Oklahoma State, yeah, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree that it's the worst loss because losing a national title game to that UNC team, that's not a bad loss. Losing to Michigan, yeah, I wish that Nick Anderson would have blocked out. But that's not a bad loss to a team that ultimately won the national championship. So yeah, I, I agree. I hate it. <laughs> I hate that I got to agree with that. But yeah, this is from Will, our good friend Will from 4th and Kirby. As one of the best, I saw with my own eyes. I know how good they are. I saw the 14 14 out of 15 wins in a gutty Big Ten tournament championship with two guys we get to now debate, are they on the Illini Mount Rushmore? I keep coming up with cheesy, motivational, dumb graphics to rationalize how it ended. And Will provided this. Success is a journey, not a destination. Will, if I'm going to hold true to what I said at the beginning of this year, I said that I just want to have moments. I want to have something tangible, which I got in the Big Ten tournament. And I want moments that I can remember. And I got both of those. You know, that gets reframed when you realize that this team is a legit one seed and a legit national title threat. And that emptiness is going to be there. But to your point, the journey was great. It was a great journey. And it was so much fun to document that here. And wake up on game days excited for the next game and wake up the best part. The best part is waking up the day after a big win 
and you just had that glow. And I got to say, you know, for my family, this was a tougher winter than most. It was a tough winter for everybody. But my mom was not doing so great. You have that uncertainty. When might this happen? And meanwhile, Illinois was providing much more than just a distraction. They were providing genuine thrills and moments of joy. So yes, the journey was spectacular. And from a personal perspective, um, the timing could not have been better that they provided our family with all that. This is from Eddie Sweet J. Amazing. The three games of that Iowa were amazing. I agree with that. And, and encouraging too, right? It certainly gave hope for next season. Winning 14 and 15 down the stretch was amazing. Corbello's nutmeg pass to Kofi in the tournament was amazing. The outlook for the future of the program is bright, or should I say amazing. So good callback, Eddie Sweet J, to the po- uh, post-game press conference with Kofi and Georgie, where, yeah, it was amazing. There were many amazing moments. Uh, from K. Andrew, the flawed but exciting catalyst bringing forth national revel- relevance, excuse me, and ushering in the truly exciting promise of the Bellow and Ace era. I like the sound of that. All thanks to Io saying yes to staying home. I hope that is all true. And I think that here's the encouraging thing, a reason to be cheerful, is that there is a chance that despite that early exit, this is just the first of many good teams that Brad Underwood can field here. Now, it all comes to accruing talent and making sure that you get the occasional four-year stud. And now you got the transfer portal thing, which is changing the game. If you look at teams that are in the Elite Eight, a lot of their depth is built on the transfer portal. I mean, look at what Chandi Brown is doing for Michigan and what he would have done here. So it really just comes down to Underwood landing guys consistently. And I know the high school kids, Namari Burnett, who knows with that. Ty Ty Washington, who knows with that? You got the Podzinski kid from Wisconsin. I may be saying his name wrong. You got to land these guys, right? And I tweeted something about that last week in the aftermath of that loss. You got to start landing them. You couple that with transfer portal guys. Brad Underwood, I think, will win consistently. And why not turn this into a much more exciting version of Virginia? Where every year, this was a down year for Virginia. This was a down year. A four seed. And yeah, they lost to Ohio. But you know what? You stay relevant, as Kay Andrew, you're mentioning here. You stay relevant. Eventually, you'll crack it. You will. And I would hope to think that Underwood can win with that consistency here. This is from the Tomahawk. Uh, As far as the final game, I hope Underwood sees it as an opportunity to spend a little more time on adjusting game plans. I totally get the, we're going to stick with what won us the Big Ten because it works. But it will be helpful to have a few tricks up the sleeve in the future. And if we are to take solace in that, Tomahawk. It is that Brad Underwood has been flexible before. And I think he will be again. And I don't think he's too stubborn not to learn from his mistakes. And in a moment of candor, I think he would admit that that was a mistake, not trying something or anything, or not even having a zone in your toolbox, if that was the concern. And it'd be understandable. All right, let's see here. Um, Garrett, a team that belongs in the hall of very good. There it is. Two All-Americans, Io Daggers, an incredible final week of the season, and a Kevin Warren-inspired blitz through the Big Ten tournament. There will always be the sting of what should have been as the memory concludes. All true? Well done, Garrett. This is from Adam. I'll remember how they showed up and showed out for the Big Ten tournament, but, and this is probably unfair, March trumps all, and ultimately and unfortunately, that's what I'll remember most from this team. What happens from here might alter that some, but that's how I feel now. Adam, that's fair. That's totally fair. And Marty, you have one here, two words, lost potential. Another way to say that's wasted opportunity. There's always going to be that pit in the stomach, what could have been. These are all fair. 
Jacob. They are the fifth best since 89, and the order goes 89, 05, 01, 04, 02, 21, and 98. All good teams, right? But I think that's fair, Jacob. They got something tangible, and it came after an insane decade of just awful basketball. If the next three, four seasons produce better results, then we can say this catapulted the program. Let me give you an example, Jacob. Let's say next year they get a three or four seed in the tournament, right? And if Kofi comes back, I think that's worst case. But let's just say that. And they get to the Sweet 16. I think we're already feeling better about this year. That would tell us that we're starting to get on more consistent footing and that this team will make the tournament every year, that they're going to have good seeds most years, and that then it just becomes a crapshoot, right? I'm okay taking my chances um, if I can be a four or five seed every year. And keep in mind, that's what Illinois was for about seven, eight years. And I could see that becoming the norm again. It really comes down to, of course, Brad Underwood and making sure that he continues to get studs in here. We may not have an all-timer like Io or Kofi on the Illinois team that wins it all, right? You may not, but you may have a collective, an ensemble that just happens to get it done at the right time. I got one more point to that, Jacob, and, and thank you all for these responses. Actually, I got a couple more and I'll get to that. Something I was thinking of is how next year will be potentially more fun than this year. And here's what I mean by that. The expectations that were placed on this team the minute that Io said I'm coming back were sky high. And if you think back to December, the loss to Baylor, the loss to Missouri, the loss at Rutgers, even the 19-4 run that Penn State had in the beginning of that game, we're thinking, how good is this team? And when you have sky-high expectations, that can zap a little bit of the fun out of watching it. Whereas next year, even if Kofi comes back, even if, right? Next year, you can go in unencumbered and not feeling as if this is a one-shot deal. I think there will be a weight off of all of our shoulders. That's not putting anything on Io and, and saying, Io, you came back, so therefore I felt that fan pressure that I talked about at 93.5 all the time. But there is something to be said about not having this sense next year that, well, you got to get it done this year or else. I think that will make it a little bit easier to watch these games and a little bit more fun for lack of a better word. Now, granted, this team, to their credit, even with those high expectations and then that dip that they had midseason, they got back to such a level where they gave us electrifying weeks at a time. And um, I don't know if that's going to happen next year. I just get the sense that from the outset, we will be able to watch it with a little bit more of a, all right, let's let's have some fun. You know, there won't be that, um, that, that sense that... Man, if you don't do it this year, you're never going to do it. All right, this is from Timbo. The high times outweigh the Loyola loss. Way happier Iowa and Kofi coming back, beating Bucky at Cole. That was nice. Boat racing Michigan and the tournament, and then sad about the second round loss. And I was pissed about the loss, but to get the back-to-back uh, win column for me season-wise, or I'm sorry, I might have misread that, Timbo, but I think your point being that two years in a row, you've been really good in the Big Ten, and that hopefully this is setting them up to be good in the Big Ten every year. This is from Chris. Best two-week stretch of my memories with a win at Wisconsin, Michigan, and Ohio State, then winning the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, Chris, I don't think there's going to be a better two-week stretch than that. Uh, with wins over Iowa and Ohio State, four wins against teams right in the top ten. Allen says, I've already forgot about them. Oh, 
Uh, yeah. I mean, I will say that a week has passed, Alan, and um, it feels like an eternity. So it's not forgetting about them for me, but it is already looking that at them in the past tense. And it's it still is jarring how early it is for that. This is from James. It brought me joy in the pandemic. My old college roommate would watch the game and we text about the possibilities. Didn't end like I wanted it, but that was just one game compared to the whole season. Overall, it was a great ride and we have a banner to raise. Yes, we do, James. They got a banner. I was harping on that all damn year. Uh, Amos Pearson's Moose Farm. One of my favorite Twitter accounts with a bunch of Simpsons references. One of the best things about being an Illini sports fan is that we're good at the revenue sport. Oh, sorry. This was this was a separate thought, but I love this. One of the best things about being an Illini sports fan is that we're good at the revenue sport. We're being good guarantees nothing because random crap happens all the time. He's referring to March Madness. And we suck at the revenue sport. We're being good guarantees good things will happen for you. College football. That is very true. Have you thought about that? We're good in the revenue sport where the champion is decided in a total crapshoot fashion. Single elimination tournament, anything can happen, and more often than not, anything does happen. Whereas in the one sport where if you're just good every year, like Alabama, you're going to win national titles. Well, we are not that, uh, and not at that point in football, though maybe Brett Bielema will get us some respectability. I think he will. Anton says, the magical run that ran short. Wayne says, this is the season Illinois basketball put itself back on the map. The culture laid down by upperclassmen to the freshmen is what I'll remember. Hard work, toughness, and playing for your teammates is something that all great programs have. This year planted that seed. Wayne, I hope so. I hope so. When you got guys like Curbelo and Miller, I'm, I'm optimistic for that. Three guys from the South Side. They say, an excellent season that was washed out by the worst loss in program history after results of the Sweet 16 in Midwest region. Does Underwood let this game define him, or does he pull a Tony Bennett? The end-of-season silence at Ubbin has me concerned it's the first one. It has been quiet over there. You know, I don't know what they would say. I don't know what you could say. Uh, yeah, I'm stumped on that one. You know, how do you do the media rounds after a loss like that? Or do you? Or do you just let it sit? That's a good, good point. Um, I hope he pulls a Tony Bennett. I hope there's redemption. I hope next year there's redemption. They can make a Final Four next year for all I know. You know, just have a good season and give me the bracket and let's look at that again and then do it over again and maybe you'll have more success. But um, worst loss in program history. If we're going to say worst tournament loss in program history, then unfortunately we have to just say worst loss in program history. Because, you know, losing to UIC at the United Center in 2010 to Robo Kreps didn't matter. You still made the tournament. It was frustrating, but... That this could be an argument for that. Can't dispute it. From Patrick, a memorable Illini season that brought Illini back to the national stage, a season marred by a gut punch of a loss. I will wonder what uh, wonder what if on this team for years. Like what attorney happened last season and this year's squad had experience for this year. Do they win or do they wilt? Who knows? Now, Patrick, if the tournament happened last year, we don't get Io this year, presumably. So in a weird way, that worked out. I know that... I've mentioned before that Io only got one March opportunity, but I feel like last year, had they played that tournament, we wouldn't have gotten this year. So like, no matter what, given the pandemic, the most you were going to get from Io was one tournament appearance. And this is from Ethan. Great season for me will be defined by this final loss until next season. And next season is going to be the defining moment of the Underwood era. Won't settle for anything less than an Elite Eight. Whoa. On to football. I'll take a second weekend of the tournament, Ethan. I think I just need to see that they can get over that hump 
psychologically, because otherwise you do start worrying about, okay, how many of these games can they win when it matters the most? Wow. Thank you all for those responses. A lot of them. I think you all did a fantastic job for what is a complicated truth and a complicated legacy for this team. More good than bad, but unfortunately, in that bad column is a big old stinking matzo ball right there. Loyola, Chicago. And of course, it has to be Loyola, Chicago. It can't just be Wichita State, where we have no association with Wichita. It has to be freaking Chicago. Um, By the way, the Sister Jean storyline, I'm so glad that's over. I got to give Dan Bernstein from 670 credit. On one of his shows, he pondered, why is this a story? She's old. She's a nun. And what else? And I totally agree with that. What, what is she doing? Essentially, she's a mascot. And I don't think the players on Loyola have any ill will towards Sister Jean. But for a team that made another surprise run of the Sweet 16, you thought there would have been more about Cameron Crutwig and his mustache than there would be Sister Jean. But of course, Sister Jean is giving her own Zoom conferences and whatnot, which just seems absolutely ridiculous to me. But that's over. You don't need to worry about that, at least until next March. Sister Jean, I wish you good health. It's not your fault that you are a media phenomenon. You're probably a super sweet lady, but not my cup of tea. And not just because we played them. I wasn't buying that crap in 2018. Just show me the game. Just show me the stupid game. Okay, uh, that's Carp's random rant about Sister Jean. Real quick, Lon Kruger. Lon Kruger retired this week, and... It's amazing how we talk about Underwood and what he does next will be defining for his era, for his tenure here, because this is a disappointing ending, but we could look back on it as a stepping stone. And I look at the Lon Kruger era as a stepping stone for Illinois basketball, because he never won more than one game in the NCAA tournament. He won one Big Ten title. He made one deep run in the Big Ten tournament. Then he took the Atlanta Hawks job. And I think we were disappointed when Lon Kruger left, but I would have been, I think, in seventh grade, seventh or eighth grade, I forget. And I also thought, you know what? I think we've capped out what we could do with Lon Kruger. And I think there's some truth to that. You took the next step with Bill Self. And because Bill Self had so much success, you thought to yourself, you know what? Lon Kruger was a pretty damn good coach. And we needed those four years. So I'm hoping that we can look at what happened this year in a similar way to the Lon Kruger experience where that was pretty darn good, but the best is yet to come. Lon Kruger, one of the coolest guys to coach here. There's a great story from, they, they played Kansas at the United Center, and I want to say that was December of 99. And later that night, they won. Later that night, we're at Carlos O'Kelly's out in Champaign. It's this Mexican restaurant that's no longer there. And on our way out, we saw Lon Kruger having dinner and we're checking out. My dad said, well, do you want to just say hi to Coach Kruger? And I said, yeah, that'd be great. And went over to say hi to Coach Kruger. Super nice. He signed one of the placemats for me. So I got that in my autograph collection. And um, by all accounts, one of the nicest dudes that you could ever meet. I know Lon, Lon Tay is super high on Lon Kruger and was always gracious with the media and with the fans people that had the experiences um, at his basketball camps. Talk about how he learned all their names. A true Midwestern nice guy, right? And someone that was so essential to Illinois basketball history when you consider that you were falling at the end of the Lou Henson era. You know, Lou Henson, I don't know if it was a full-on retirement or if he was, you know, nudged out because Lou continued to coach after Illinois. 
but you needed someone to get you back into solid, consistent footing. And that's what Mon Kruger did. And he set you up for great success with that Peoria pipeline. Getting Surge and by extension, Marcus Griffin and Frank Williams changed the trajectory of Illinois basketball. So Lon Kruger will always have a special place in Illinois basketball history. Um, one of the good guys, one of the great coaches. I don't know if he's a Hall of Fame coach, but he probably should be if you look at his all-time record. Final four with Florida, final four with Oklahoma, I believe as well. Was successful everywhere he went. And he rocked that mock t- turtleneck better than anyone that I've ever seen. Not many guys could pull off the mock turtleneck with a suit jacket, but he did. So kudos to you, Lon Kruger. And hopefully he will make some trips back to Champaign now. And we'll see him at the State Farm Center and he gets some recognition for what were a very productive four-year stretch for Illinois basketball. Oh, also with coaching news, Mike Woodson, Indiana basketball, whatever the hell that's about, you know where they're going for it. They're going for the Juwan Howard thing, NBA experience. They wanted an Indiana guy, just like Michigan wanted a Michigan guy, and it's working out beautifully for them. But Indiana, what's the Indiana guy? And you can probably imagine that there are some older donors that think, oh, well, Mike Woodson, he played for Bobby Knight, so we're going to go back to the Bobby Knight era. There also has to be quite a few donors that are a little bit pissed off that you spent $10 million to buy out Archie Miller, who should be fired, right? He was bad. And this is the best you can do. Ladies and gentlemen, Indiana is no longer a blue blood. They are what Nebraska is to football. They are a relic. They are borderline irrelevant, especially compared to what they used to be. This is a joke. I got a buddy who's an Ohio State fan that thinks that Thad Mata, essentially being the GM of the program, not even on the sideline, that that will be enough to get them over the hump. I disagree. There's a 10% chance this thing works and a 90% chance it just kind of stinks and it's mediocre and it flames out and Indiana is another five or six years behind the eight ball. That's fine with me. And I hope it stays that way. I don't need Indiana to be relevant. I don't find it to be that much fun when my rivals are that good. Other than Iowa, I think that is fun. And Fran McCaffrey can stay there forever, as far as I'm concerned. But this is just (laughs) uh, a head-scratcher. If you're an Indiana fan, how can you not be underwhelmed that after all of this, you got a guy that's never coached college basketball, 63 years old, never recruited. Oh, but you got Thad Mata not even on the sideline. What the hell is this? Have fun, Indiana. He's your guy for at least three or four years. And I just, that does not strike fear in the hearts of other Big Ten teams. Maybe I'm out of town stupid here. Maybe I'm missing the greater point here. But having lived through the Lovey Smith era, and I would argue that Lovey Smith's a little bit more recognizable of a pro coach than Mike Woodson was in the NBA, you find out that, oh, right, it is important to have some experience recruiting. Or if you're like a Jawan Howard, and you don't have that experience recruiting, you damn well better be young and cool and relatable to kids. Maybe I am selling Mike Woodson short for that, and I'm not an ageist, but you're Indiana basketball, and you can't do better than that? Whatever. That's fine. I wonder what Dan Dock just saying about it. Actually, I, I don't really care. He's a Bobby Knight guy. I'm sure he's going to find some silver linings in that. He's probably not going to talk bad about Mike Woodson. It's really not a Mike Woodson problem. It's an Indiana basketball, what the hell are you doing? And uh, we can dispel, I think, with the notion that currently they are a blue blood. Historically, there's no doubt. Currently, they are an also-ran. They are irrelevant. Too bad. All right, well, hey, that's it for today. I think we covered everything. Let me check my notes. I actually have a few notes to make sure I didn't miss anything. So reasons to be cheerful, right? Reasons to be optimistic. That was what today was about. And I think that we got most of those covered. 
I got to thank all the listeners for the great tweets and a lot of complicated truths, but I think we all agree that the next few seasons will really dictate how we look back on this one. And I am optimistic. I am excited for the next month because as we're here for the next month, no games to talk about, unfortunately, but probably a lot of movement on the transfer portal, a roster that will be ever-changing. Maybe we'll get word on Kofi later in April. Who knows? Because I would assume he's going to try to go to a combine or something and figure out what he needs to work on. And he may elect to go pro. There's that chance as well. Um, But with all these moving parts in college basketball and not knowing the final roster until, what, September, October, uh, we're going to have fun in the meantime figuring out, well, what if we got this guy? What if we got that guy? But the long and short of it is this. You have a coach that over four years has improved exponentially each and every year and has shown an ability to be flexible. I think he can learn from his mistakes, and Loyola was by far the biggest, not just of his Illinois career, but probably of his career in general. That was a massive mistake. Terrible coaching job. Can he learn from it? I think he can. Um, Am I glad he's our coach? Yes, I am. Do I think that he can get enough talent to consistently win here and give you a chance to take some cracks at a Final Four, at a national title? I do. I do. Um, But I'm also antsy, and I think we're all feeling that extra pressure, extra anxiety after that Loyola loss. We want to see it, and we want to see it quick. And I think we might next year. I think you'll have enough where you can see it pretty much right away. So reasons to be cheerful. I hope you are enjoying this beautiful March sunshiny day as we get warmer temperatures a hell of a lot earlier than we uh, normally do here in the Midwest. Um, Yeah, this is a nice differential from the last podcast we did, and we can only dwell on something for so long. Though, all that said, I'm not probably going to be watching the Elite Eight games tonight because I don't need to be reminded of what could have been. All right, got to think. DP Doe online at dpdo.com. Use coupon code Mike for $5 calzones at dpdo.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Go online to dpdo.com. Get a custom zone with any topping you want or get one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. Vintage-inspired Illini apparel, 10% off with coupon code 200level at fourthandkirby.com. Rector Construction online at R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com. Everything from a new roof to a crawl space inspection and everything in between, rectorconstruction.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Whew, that was a long one. I need some water. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Ratings and reviews at Apple Podcasts, that helps us out. And hey, check out my band Decadence. Anywhere music is streaming, this is from our latest album, Fever Dreams. The song is called Out of Your Head. We'll see you soon, probably later this week. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy. See you soon. It is the 200 level. Please.